This episode is a special crossover from my Python Bytes podcast that I co-host with Brian Aachen. It's got a different vibe than the interview shows here, and short topics coming in fast and quick. If you haven't listened before, I think you're going to enjoy it. So here are a bunch of excellent Python tips and tools to close out the year. See you all in the first week of January. And while I'm talking directly to you, thank you very, very much for taking the time to listen to my shows and support all of my projects. Cheers. This is Talk Python to Me, sort of. Episode 443, recorded December 19th, 2023. Welcome to Talk Python to Me, a weekly podcast on Python. This is your host, Michael Kennedy. Follow me on Mastodon, where I'm at mkennedy, and follow the podcast using at TalkPython, both on bostodon.org. Keep up with the show and listen to over seven years of past episodes at talkpython.fm. We've started streaming most of our episodes live on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel over at talkpython.fm slash YouTube to get notified about upcoming shows and be part of that episode. This episode is sponsored by Posit Connect from the makers of Shiny. Publish, share, and deploy all of your data projects that you're creating using Python. Streamlit, Dash, Shiny, Bokeh, FastAPI, Flask, Quattro, Reports, Dashboards, and APIs. Posit Connect supports all of them. Try Posit Connect for free by going to talkpython.fm slash posit, P-O-S-I-T. And it's also brought to you by us over at TalkPython Training. Did you know that we have over 250 hours of Python courses? Yeah, that's right. Check him out at talkpython.fm slash courses. Hello, and welcome to Python Bytes, where we deliver Python news and headlines directly to your earbuds. This is episode 365. Wow. Recorded. It's like we've been doing it for a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, recorded uh, December 19th, 2023. Yeah. I, and I'm Brian Aachen. Hey, I'm Michael Kennedy. And yeah, if we did it, if somebody listened to one a day now, from like now on, they would be behind because we'll be way ahead of by of 365 by the time they finish but you know. <laughs> still be awesome um well want to kick us off with something cool oh let's, before we kick, kick it us, off yeah go ahead let's uh let's uh say that our this episode is sponsored by us so please support us and uh and other people i'm gonna like talk about that a little bit later at the end of the show um but also pick Check out uh, all the courses at Talk Python Training. Check out the Complete PyTest course. You can be a Patreon supporter. And also, if you want to connect with us, one of the best ways to do it is through on Mastodon. And uh, we're all on Fostodon, or at least Michael and I are, at mkennedy, at Brian Aachen, and at Python Bytes. So. Indeed. Hey, do I feel like I'm really fast, Brian? Like Neo in the Matrix? Mind-bendingly fast? Uh, let's go with yes. Okay, I appreciate that. Because this, I, I just got fiber and gigabit fiber installed 30 minutes ago. I was hoping it wouldn't destroy the show, but it almost almost didn't make it, but it made it. Ooh, nice. So hopefully that doesn't curse it that something doesn't go wrong and it will crash. But 950 megabit down, which is fine, but 950 megabit up is glorious. <laughs> we should like, right. we should speed up the, the playback speed when we release the MP3 <laughs> so it sounds really fast. <laughs> Never talking really fast because it's really uploading. Yeah. No, let's let's talk about let's talk about Hatch because Hatch is awesome. Ofec is the maintainer creator of Hatch and boy oh boy has he gone big on his latest release 1.8.0. 
So Hatch is like Flit, is like PDM, is like PIP ENV, and many of these other um, poetry others. If I'm leaving your version of this out, I apologize. But with version 1.8, this has gone in a bit of a different direction. You know, I had OFAC on on the Python packaging panel. I think Steve Dower was there. Some other folks were there. Uh, really interesting that there's this tension between should there be an app that manages Python environments with Python, or should there be a thing that manages the Python itself, right? Kind of like PyEMV, for example, yeah. right? So Hatch has gone in that direction of now Hatch manages Python, not just Python projects. And there's this uh, thing to solve this problem in the form of PyApp. So PyApp is even maybe more awesome. PyApp is a runtime installer for Python projects written in Rust, and they can be, you ready for this? I'm so, so excited. Your Python app can be distributed as a standalone executable, a .exe or a .app for users. What do you think, Brian? I'm very interested in finding out more. <laughs> now this whole post is a little bit wordy, so let me jump into the Omnivore version of it over here, which has a huge icon. So OFAC says, look, one of the things that's been a perpetual problem for Hatch and all the others I named is that Python itself is a dependency. So in order to use Hatch or any of these other tools or any apps, you have to say, well, go get Python and then get back to me and we'll start talking, right? So he came up with this thing called PyApp that will create installers for the different platforms. Claims it's trivial. It's probably never trivial, but possible. <laughs> possible would be awesome even. And so starting with this, um, releases... Uh, not only are the binaries available for every platform, but there are installers, as in like install wizards on Windows and a DMG type thing, I'm guessing, or a PKG on macOS. But so the installer for the macOS is signed using the certificate from the same account used to sign the official distributions of Python. So you won't get any security warnings or blocking. Thank you, eDurbin, for helping out with that. And Hatch itself, uh, with any good system, is self-updating. So you can Hatch self-update. What else I want to point out? There's also uh, a new Python, like Hatch space Python command group that will allow you to manage things. So you can uh, show what you have installed. You can install different versions of Python, C Python and PyPy for those. Uh, it works with virtual environments. It has built-in rough and rough format integrations. And traditionally, it's been somewhat slow to um, like activate and set up a virtual environment that's already previously been installed because it'll refresh and recheck that all of the dependencies are there and everything. So now it does a hash of those. And so only if the dependency statement doesn't match the hash, right, basically. So it'll pre-compute all that stuff. So now it should be basically instant. So also some minor breaking changes around build defaults and the new app build target targets what I've been raving about. So, oh, fact, you killed it. Can't believe it. It's awesome. Awesome. So yeah. Hatch has hashes. Hat, hat. <laughs> <laughs> if you hash, if you hash a hatch with hashling, and you know, like there's some kind of tongue twister in there, we could do. I, I, I'm yeah, not doing it though. Gotta be. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited about this. Um, it's very cool. I, I definitely want to play with it. Yeah. Yes, indeed. This portion of Talk Python to Me is brought to you by Posit, the makers of Shiny, formerly R Studio, and especially Shiny for Python. Let me ask you a question: Are you building awesome things? Of course you are. You're a developer or a data scientist. That's what we do. And you should check out Posit Connect. Posit Connect is a way for you to publish, share, and deploy all the data products that you're building using Python. 
People ask me the same question all the time. Michael, I have some cool data science project or notebook that I built. How do I share it with my users, stakeholders, teammates? Do I need to learn Fast API or Flask or maybe Vue or React.js? Hold on now. Those are cool technologies, and I'm sure you'd benefit from them, but maybe stay focused on the data project? Let Posit Connect handle that side of things. With Posit Connect, you can rapidly and securely deploy the things you build in Python. Streamlit, Dash, Shiny, Bokeh, Fast API, Flask, Quadro, Reports, Dashboards, and APIs. Posit Connect supports all of them. And Posit Connect comes with all the bells and whistles to satisfy IT and other enterprise requirements. Make deployment the easiest step in your workflow with Posit Connect. For a limited time, you can try Posit Connect for free for three months by going to talkpython.fm slash posit. That's talkpython.fm slash P-O-S-I-T. The link is in your podcast player show notes. Thank you to the team at Posit for supporting TalkPython. I'm not sure how long this has been out, but um, Hinnick has been uh, promoting a new uh, project that he's got called Services, or SVCS, which is short for Services, um, and pronounced Services. And it is a... Um, he. he I think it could be used for more than web stuff, but the the intent I think was uh, for removing some of the boilerplate code uh, from hooking up uh, dependencies and different like like your database and your cache and all sorts of stuff to an application, typically a web application, but I think it could really be anything. Um, but it's a flexible service locator, and one of the reasons why I haven't covered it yet on uh, Python Bytes, I don't think I have is because um, I didn't quite understand what it was doing, and it took me a while to get my head <laughs> Why around it. Why does this it. exist? Um, but it's um, it's pretty cool, and Hinnick apparently realizes that it is a bit difficult to get your head around what this is doing. So he um, he just recently re- released a video describing this uh, this project. So uh, really great, um, ah, great, great video describing uh, services, what you can do with it, and also how to pronounce his name. He doesn't pronounce his last name, though. Apparently, that's left for maybe episode two. Um, but Shalavak, I guess. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, it's it's pretty cool, actually. I'm pretty excited about it after after watching it, um, watching the video. Um, I thought maybe it wouldn't be for me, but especially for keeping services contained or the setting up services, looking them up within different parts of your application, and then. Um, uh, and then getting them all cleaned up correctly at the end, that's kind of what it does, plus a whole bunch of other stuff. And one of the neat things is throughout all of this documentation, the documentation is amazing. Throughout all the to- documentation, he has examples in AIO, HTTP, Fast API, Flask, Pyramid, and Starlet. So um, nice. And some the videos talking about Flask, but it's cool that he just already hit all the bases. Like, how do I do this in Starlet? Well, he it's just a little different. Most of them, mostly they're similar, but um, a little different ways to use it throughout the different applications. So it's pretty cool. He also mentions in the video that um, he took a really long time uh, uh, really talking about the terminology in the glossary of the documentation. And actually, I really appreciate this uh, of somebody saying, okay, uh, this is generally what I think of as what the re- the meanings for all of these words are and it's a lot of these words are are uh they're overused in the english language to begin with and even in talking about programming web programming but things like what is a service what is a resource 
What is a dependency? Um, service layer. He goes through a whole bunch of different terms, what it means uh, to him and probably to everybody else, but um, if you're unfamiliar with them. And, and even a decent discussion of dependency injection. So um, the one of the things he talks about is that this is not a de- not really a dependency injection thing. It's inversion of control, but it's a little different than service service locators are a little different than dependency injection. And I kind of appreciate that discussion. It's pretty cool. So anyway, uh, kudos yes. to Hinnick for doing this and uh, for helping us pronounce his name. Yeah, this looks cool. I definitely want to check this out. It's news to me, so I will be checking it out. Cool. Mm-hmm. We have uh, new leaders, Brian. We do. Yes, for the Python world, we have new leaders, and specifically, the Steering Council election results are in for next year. Okay. So for the 2024 term, we have Pablo Galindo Salgato, we've got Gregory Smith, Emily Morehouse, Barry Warsaw, and Thomas Worthers. So very cool to see them all leading the way. There's a lot of familiar faces there, uh, so that's, that's pretty cool. I don't expect a whole lot of different from the year before, but here's the results. You can actually see in PEP 8105, you see everybody who um, was potentially a candidate, how many votes they got by people who are disenfranchised. I don't know what that means. Or the not the franchised voters, the one who are enfranchised, how many votes that they got. And you can put that all together. So this begs the question, like, well, how do you get on this list? <laughs> you get on this list by being nominated by a core developer. So everyone on the list was nominated by a core developer. If you are a core not core developer, you're a core developer, you can nominate yourself. So that could be the person you see here because everyone I see, I think, is a core developer. Okay. But anyway, the results, the results are in and we have those five folks. Welcome and congrats. Or welcome awesome. back. Nice. That's a good set of names too. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Indeed. Um. Well, uh, there probably is some protocol around elect the election results right now you could model it with classes or you could functionally model it like in a immutable way but i don't know about a protocol okay <laughs> um we're just great at transitions on this podcast um the next i want to talk about python protocols um so there's an article from uh, carlos vecina i think um called uh python protocols defining a protocol and when to use it and actually um this is something that I have I've been meaning to play with for actually some years, and I haven't really done much with it yet. So I really appreciate this article. Uh, he's talking about um, the protocols are a feature of Python that were added in Python three eight. So really, anything maintainable right now can uses can you can use protocols, but they're um, and you kind of they're in mentally I think of them kind of like uh, like class inheritance or, or mix-ins or abstract base classes and that's one of the things he talks about this in this article is is they are in that same similar space but um, but you use them a little different and you might use them together with other with other forms too like with with mix-ins and abstract base classes so the article just goes through on how to define a protocol and really and he's also discussed you also a decent tutorial on abstract base classes and mix-ins as well, which is nice to kind of describe them all together. Um, but the the protocol thing is uh, just sort of let me see if I find an example. Um, uh, so you inherit you have a class that's inherited from protocol, and you give it uh, you kind of give it function definitions, but don't fill in the body. Um, so that's kind of what a protocol is. And then other uh, other classes that you that use the protocol. Um, 
derive from that, you know, from that protocol from like in his example, there's a a class called explainable that something that has an explain function. And so you would derive from explainable and then your new class would have, would, would be a instances of, of protocol, but all it really says is that you can other places that use it for types and stuff can declare that they need some need a protocol passed in or a explainable class and then you can use anything that derives from that so pretty cool um yeah brian let me jump in and just say one extra point here like what's awesome about this stuff is we've had duck typing like this there's an assess fairness function that it has to call explain on the object passed in and duck typing said well if it takes that, if you can pass it in there and it will run when you call explain on it, it must fit, right? But the typing tools don't check. So like PyCharm, for example, would just go, well, it's a whatever, so good luck with that. But once you do this protocol stuff, if you say the function takes an explainable and you have explainable as a protocol, you can pass stuff in and it doesn't even have to derive from or be related to that protocol in a base class. Like anything that is passed in there the type system will look at it and verify it hasn't explained, even if it's in a third-party package and you don't control it. So it's like a way to project typing structure onto a dynamic thing that is not necessarily your code. It's wild. Oh, cool. I kind of had that a little bit wrong then. Awesome. You can drive from it. It gives you more information potentially, but... It doesn't have to be. You don't even have to, which that's the totally wild aspect. That's what I think is really different for this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. That's pretty cool. No, um, yeah. So uh, clearly, I haven't thoroughly read this article, but I do want to get into really getting my head around abstract based classes, mix-ins, and protocols and stuff. And partly, I wouldn't say that though, because like your experiences in C plus plus, mine also is in C plus plus and C sharp, and all of those languages have these interface ideas, yeah. but there's they're they're put into the type system through inheritance, and so you can inherit from it, and it does what you expect, and it seems the right thing. But what's weird is you don't even have to. That's what's weird about it. Okay, and cool. Oh, awesome. Ah, now I definitely want to play with it more. Um, yeah, because I've kind of missed that aspect of C++ in Python. Yeah. Um, so, nice. Anyway, also, um, I'm assuming it's a AI-generated image, but really cool image at the top of the article. It's kind it of- is. I, I'm not sure what my opinion is about it. I'll ask ChatGPT how I feel about it. <laughs> well, it's hard to describe how I feel, so I'll, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually sort of, I'm- I don't know, this is a tangent, but I've switched to... Um, uh, was I was playing with like Bing as my primary search engine at work. Yeah. It just I don't know the, a new computer. It just was there, and I'm just going with it for a while. But everything I search is like gives me an AI generated answer first, and I'm like I don't I don't know if I like that very much. Yeah, I know, but, I know. Anyway, well that's um that's it for our main stuff. Do you have any extras? I could have almost made it an extra, extra, extra this time. So yeah, sure I do. <laughs> First of all, I've been wanting to say this several times, and I'm usually like looking at my screen and see what I want to share and stuff, and I didn't have this anywhere. So I just pulled up Mastodon to remind me. There are tons of people interacting with us over on Mastodon, and I've had some great conversations. And I want to, I'm sure you do too, Brian, want to follow people back. But there's there's kind of a, at least for, I'll, I'll, I'll say these are Michael's Mastodon's conventions. Uh, you, you could take them for what you want. I just made them up. But this is how I think about it. So people will follow me and I'm like, huh, did that person follow me? Cause they listened to the show and listened to Brian say, you should come join us and have a conversation. Hey, I'd like to follow that person. But a lot of times they have no picture, no description, no web pages, no posts. <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah, maybe not next, you know? And so I'm just going to say, if you have a picture and a description, a uh, description seems somewhat relevant. I will certainly follow you back. 
if you have posts, that's plus one. If you have a verified web page, which is easy, another plus one. And a lot of people have private accounts who follow me. I'm like, why are you in social media if you want a private account? I don't understand what this is because your profile is public, just your posts are private, but the platform has a way to have private posts. I don't understand. So anyway, uh, probably not going to get a lot of engagement if you have a private account just post private messages for things you don't want to see. So, and while I'm on the topic of Mastodon, I had a really nice and productive conversation with the PSF around my mask rant on PyCon. So that was nice over there. Some people weren't nice as they sent me, like not necessarily nice responses, but the PSF did. And that was cool. That's nice. Yeah. All right. Next one. On oh, wait. The, the, before, yeah, before you move on, I just want to add my two cents on the, uh, yeah, I do the, the picture. Um, I also prefer to be able to see who it is. But also primarily if the picture is something that they're using on other stuff. So like if a lot of people have a, their profile picture on their, like the profile picture on their blog and on their, um, and, and they're primarily a GitHub user and, and they have the same profile there, even if it's like a stylized something, but if it's the, if it's distinctive and the same everywhere, like Glyph, for instance, has a, has a, a different thing for them. I, I'm okay with that, but. Most people, I think, go with their picture. I think it's the right answer. But. Yeah, when I say picture, I don't mean necessarily it has to be your picture. Just the fact that it's not the default icon. Yeah. <laughs> You've taken enough effort to put in something, even if it's just a picture of a triangle. I don't care, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Paul is asking in the audience, what is your secret? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll do this. Um, we Earlier on, we were talking about how Michael's got a faster internet now, so... We should make it really fast speed. Um, and then somebody commented, Wagrants, Wagrants uh, commented, I played it at one and a half times speed. Then I got up to a live event. Uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden, Brian should sounded like he got drunk in one second. Um, <laughs> and so I said, Brian's secret is out. So Nice. Well, I'll just have another <laughs> drink of my uh, Irish coffee. No, it's it's coffee. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, more extras. So... Um, Dropbox spooks users with turning on new AI features that can almost automatically send your private documents to OpenAI. Now you have to interact with part of the site for it to happen, but it doesn't say, hey, necessarily, because you does you touch this, we're now sending your social security number away. Um, but anyway, that's kind of what? unnerving. It yeah. So you can check that out on defaulted to on if you're not subject to the GDPR, but defaulted to off if you are. So, you know, plus one for GDPR there, I suppose. So mine was turned on. Okay. So you have to go check to make sure that they're not sharing all of your... Yes, exactly. And it's on by default for you, Brian. So you might want to check. <laughs> <laughs> the I mean, whole conversation, it's on ours. The our, the, com the comments section of Ars Technica is like the top-notch place for comments, I think. So really good. Okay. Yeah, there's, it talks about how to go find it. So anyway, this like made me think, you know what? I should really be a little more, I have, I have like three terabytes of data in Dropbox. So I'm like, maybe I should be a little more specific and intentional about where I put my stuff. So I went on this, this rant on Mastodon, by the way, a bunch of people sent me all sorts of options of like, okay, if not Dropbox, then what? And I decided whatever I'm doing is probably good to have it end-to-end um, -end encrypted because then I don't care what they try to do with it, right? Because they can't decrypt it. Yeah. But that. That solves a whole lot of problems. I don't. You care about the security, but it doesn't matter as much as if you're just exposing files or leaking stuff or whatever, right? So I decided to go, I already have a, a paid Proton account. So all my private stuff, 
all my private documents and like my scans of things that I want to save that might be sensitive. They're going to Proton Drive where I have 500 gigs and it's already paid for and, and encrypted. There's a sync thing you can install. That's pretty excellent. I looked around and some people suggested NextCloud, which is really interesting. It's maybe more than I want. It's almost like a document, calendar, everything mm-hmm. self-hosted. Maybe own do that cloud next. Had, yeah, OwnCloud got like super owned just last week and is a similar self-hosted thing, which makes me a little nervous to self-host stuff. I know there are people who host it for you, but it's not NextCloud. It's a little bit indirect. So maybe Filin. I don't know if you've heard of this, no. um, but they have encrypted uh, cloud storage end to end again. Pretty nice. I think this is a, uh, is it British? I don't, I don't remember exactly. UG, not sure. Uh, but somewhere in Europe, this company, it looks pretty good. I have not tried it, but and, and encrypted. There's Ice Drive, the next generation cloud storage. Also, I think this might be the British one. Yeah, this is in Wales. Um, I mean, British, I mean, UK. Sorry, folks. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. And I think, I think I'm going to go with sync.com. Super simple. All they do is sync and then encrypted for six terabytes. It's like 140 bucks a year or something like that, which is a lot. You know, versus 240 for less than that in Dropbox. Anyway, if people are in this zone of like, I'm looking for all this stuff. Oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? Regardless of whether you care about the Dropbox fiasco. Here's a bunch of options can, people can pick. There was one comment in this whole discussion that was pretty interesting. I think it was in the Ars, just Ars Technica thing. And it said, look, if you give your data unencrypted to somebody, another company, even if you trust them, you don't really necessarily control that anymore, especially if they decide to pass it along. So yeah. uh, somebody pointed out Cryptometer. Have you heard of this, Brian? No. So Cryptometer is cool. I have used something like it, but it's older and no longer supported, which makes me sad. So what you do is you run this app. It does like super strong encryption. You control the key, right? It's just like a thing you make up and don't give away. And then it will create a drive, a mountable drive on your Mac or on Windows, like a D drive or E drive or whatever, and that thing is encrypted. So when you mount it with this software, it looks like a drive, but then when you unmount it, it becomes just an encrypted pile of files. So you put that in Dropbox, or you put that in sync or whatever, and then no matter what happens, they just get an encrypted blob of stuff. So things I super care about, I have encrypted in something, either Cryptometer or something like it, on top of all the safety around the cloud drive and trust and whatever you might have there, like worst case scenario, they get a huge hard, hard to decrypt a blob of stuff that they don't know the value of. And I don't know if it has Linux. Someone's asking, does it have Linux? Uh, I think it might. Let's see. Mac. No. Let's see if I go to download what it says. Yeah. No, for people. Downloads. Use your DMG. Yeah. Windows, Mac, Linux, Android, and iOS even. Hmm. Yeah. So that's that. I think that it's a loss. I mean, cool, but... Cryptomator would have been great as a Rotten Tomatoes sort of thing to to rate different cryptocurrencies. I know <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> the word is uh, taken. I'm pretty sure this has been around before yeah. crypto became a thing. Like I'm not sure how old this is, but yeah, there's 17 pages of releases on GitHub <laughs> from 2017. So yeah, they they were ahead of their time in that. But yeah. yeah, this is super cool, Brian. Like you can just say I don't really care that much about the security of where these files go. You're not getting them. Hmm, interesting. So I suggest a sweet combination of these things. I'm going through like a super digital decluttering as part of this, and it's glorious. I'm having like an, a tech love affair with Notion. It's so good. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's, I'll leave it there. Maybe I'll come back and tell you more about this. Last thing for me, 
I'm doing the keynote at PyCon, at, yes, at PyCon Philippines 2024 in February. How awesome is that? Slightly somewhere jealous, I, man. <laughs> somewhere I scroll down and over. Woo. Yeah. Cool. Three, three of us, and I get to be one of them. So that'll be awesome. Thank you for inviting me. And if you're going to be there, I will see you there. Nice. Yeah, in February. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oops. I just deleted. Over you for your extras. Uh, well, I just deleted one. So sorry about that. But uh, control shift command T. Shift. Oh, shift commit or whatever. I'll just tell you guys about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, uh, this is the kind of year time of year that some people like to donate some money to different people, different groups. Um, mm-hmm. I had the link up for um, for the Python Software Foundation. So. Uh, Python Software Foundation is not hard to find, so I would uh, encourage people to consider giving some money to the PSF. Also, uh, Django Software Foundation is doing a drive, so um, giving some money. If you use Django, of course. Um, uh-huh. If you enjoy Python Bytes, of course, you can uh, check out uh, Patreon. Um, uh, Patreon, we do uh, accept Python money for Python Bytes to help keep the show going. Mm-hmm. This is great. Also, um, I wanted to to highlight as well uh, just the idea that um, to just go on GitHub. So the different things you use on GitHub, like adders, um, for instance, you can go down and you can sponsor this project. Um, you can uh, throw some money that way. PyTest has a sponsor link. Uh, Palettes and Flask has um, has a way to sponsor either all of Palettes or particular projects within within the the Palettes program. And really, a lot of a lot of projects that you use every day have a uh, a sponsor this project on GitHub. So I think it'd be great to for people if you've if you have extra and you want to help out. I think it's a good idea. I've um, sometimes I help out different projects and I kind of shift it up every year and local things and um, I think the things that I use. And one somebody asked me once uh, recently about like some projects don't really need the money and I guess like. Uh, for instance, I really love having people support Python Bytes through Patreon. It's it's fun to have uh, our community help support us. It's not if you if you in particular don't donate, we're not going to disappear. Michael and I are going to keep doing it anyway. Um, it is totally up to you, and definitely don't do it if it's a hardship. But I think it's a it's a it's a fun thing to do this time of year is to spread the love around. That's all I wanted to say. So, indeed, I second that as well. Uh, that's kind of serious, though. Do you have something funny yeah. for us? Let's lighten it up. No, this is not funny. This is too, it's too close to home. You tell me how you feel about this. So here's the joke. Here's the joke. So there's two red buttons. Think Ren and Stimpy or something like that. And a huge, scary red button. You can press either of them. One of them says, pay $12. The other one says, admit to yourself, your dream is dead. <laughs> and at the bottom, <laughs> there's somebody sweating, trying to decide which button to press. And it's the domain renewal. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> This is way too close home for home to uh, to home for me because I just transferred twenty five domains from all the different places into hovers I talked about like a while ago, and I talked about all the the name servers and all that. And there was a few where I'm like, God, is the dream dead or do I just move this? So how many are you using still out of those? Well, lots of them are to like protect people from doing crappy stuff. For example, I have TalkPython.com. I don't technically use it; it redirects to TalkPython.fm, but if I don't have it, someone will get it. And then all sorts of badness. Like there's a bunch of these guards. I would say half of them fall into that realm. Okay. And then maybe another third I'm directly using. And then there's the, whatever the balance, the one sixth that's left is the dream could be dead, but yeah. or it could be not there yet. Not realized yet. We'll see. I had about 
eight that I was not really using last year. And I let, I, I, I admitted that, that about half of those are not going to go anywhere and uh, let them expire. Let them go. Although yeah, I, I mean, go. the domain companies don't make it easy. You're like, okay, I'm just going to let it expire. But you get like emails. Yeah, no, it, it's going to go. Oh, it's gone. But we've just, we're going to save it for you for a couple more months. Uh, and you get a whole bunch of email, guilt emails, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I have one real quick sad story to round this out, Brian. Okay. A friend of mine and I decided we we're going to write some iPhone apps right when the iPhone came out, like 2007 or whatever it was. And he had the clever idea of like, let's get a domain. I probably did it together. I don't know. Got the domain iPhone.ly, iPhoneLy. And we worked on stuff for like a year because we didn't know we we're going to build. We'll just like, come up with this. We'll put stuff there. Never really came up with stuff. It looked like there was nothing on the horizon. We're like, you know, after three years, the LY, it was like the FM. It was like kind of expensive. Like, ah, just let it go. A week later, somebody says, hey, I'll give you $5,000 for that domain. So I shoot my friend like, hey, don't let it expire yet. Let's do this instead. He's like, it expired last week. I'm like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, well, so it goes. So that somebody <laughs> could have paid you $5,000, but they instead got it for like 20 or They got it, yeah, for like 20 bucks or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh at your pain. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, it's like, I'm telling you, this is not a joke. Admit to yourself your dream is dead or pay $12 for the rest of your life every year. Yeah. That's where you are. <laughs> no, it's good. It's a good joke and people can uh, hopefully laugh at it. Yeah. Everybody, most people that listen to this podcast probably are feeling this. So, yeah. That's, all right. All right. Well, I'm feeling good about our year's worth of show every day. Uh, yeah. 365. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Right on. All right. Talk to you later. Yeah. See you. Thanks, everyone. This has been another episode of Talk Python to Me. Thank you to our sponsors. Be sure to check out what they're offering. It really helps support the show. This episode is sponsored by Posit Connect from the makers of Shiny. Publish, share, and deploy all of your data projects that you're creating using Python. Streamlit, Dash, Shiny, Bokeh, FastAPI, Flask, Quattro, Reports, Dashboards, and APIs. Posit Connect supports all of them. Try Posit Connect for free by going to talkpython.fm slash posit, P-O-S-I-T. Want to level up your Python? We have one of the largest catalogs of Python video courses over at TalkPython. Our content ranges from true beginners to deeply advanced topics like memory and async. And best of all, there's not a subscription in sight. Check it out for yourself at training.talkpython.fm. Be sure to subscribe to the show, open your favorite podcast app, and search for Python. We should be right at the top. You can also find the iTunes feed at slash iTunes, the Google Play feed at slash play, and the direct RSS feed at slash RSS on talkpython.fm. We're live streaming most of our recordings these days. If you want to be part of the show and have your comments featured on the air, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at talkpython.fm slash YouTube. This is your host, Michael Kennedy. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Now get out there and write some Python code.